back to what I was talking about earlier about uh, international affairs and world news. Um, <clears throat> Niger has ordered police to expel the French ambassador from their country. So, like I was saying, bigger things are happening behind the scenes. And I'm looking forward to seeing how the world kind of develops because it's it's kind of weird. Well, it's not weird from a global studies perspective of what the stuff that I studied in school to understand why governments and countries, uh, particularly people aligned with the US are standing against um, something like this because the French have obviously placed this leader in power um, and uh, not the leader in power, sorry, excuse me. Um, hold on one second, I'm looking at two different things here. Uh, if it helps, I'll just run through it real quick. Uh, on July 26, Niger's government was overthrown and President Mohamed Bouzoum was taken hostage. The economic community of West African states issued an ultimatum to the coup leaders, threatening military intervention if deposed Bouzoum was not returned to power. Um, this happened again in July 26th of this year, a coup that uh, has happened in Niger and the fallout um, has been global right Whether and we... then yeah mm. the eu is uh putting sanctions um against you know obviously the group that that you know uh, established the coup coup d'etat but uh they did the same to russia so when we look at this this is only pushing these countries closer and closer to bricks which is what i was getting to earlier like the economic status of the world is going to flip and change on um, the next couple of years very 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 quickly um granted um, I think, I believe I saw somewhere that Nigeria wasn't accepted, their application was denied into BRICS for whatever reason, so I need to look into that. I was going to ask you about that, Michael, if you heard anything. Um, yeah, you you said that last episode too. Everyone here, check out a really good, the last episode we did was in person, it was fire. Um, but please, I know Brexit, but you say BRICS? Tell me, tell me more about Brick. what that is. Uh, BRICS is... Well, bricks. Excuse me. Russia, India, China, South Africa, and I'm forgetting the first one. The B is something, and I'm forgetting. Oh. But it's, uh. Damn, why did I do this to myself? I'm gonna look this up because I'm gonna be burning here. It's a grouping of world economies of Brazil. Brazil, there it is. Damn, that thing's gonna kill me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's basically just the the alliance of BRICS is is, is this what you would call, or what I guess global studies students would have called the secondary developing nations of the world. Um, second to only the first world nations, which is not obvious, but very obvious to the first world nations, which are U.S., Britain and the EU specifically. Um, so talking about those countries and nations when we're saying first world nations, but we're not, we're leaving out the conversation of the developing world nations like China, who we've you know also been fighting against with Russia half the time for communism and socialism and all these different things. Um, when it comes to protecting democracy and whether or not democracy is whether a, a good or bad thing, I'm not even here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about the financials and the economics of the situation. What the issue at hand is for the first world nations is that once these nations band together, stop utilizing the US dollar and start trading in their own currency and building up their own internal 
uh, national value uh, as a country, they will be able to now, I guess, hold wealth within their own currencies better than they were before, right? By by Niger expelling France and getting rid of whatever France control they had, the French francs that they made them use to devalue their own dollars and, you know, taking away their natural resources and all this other stuff and exploiting the, the, the materials that they have there, that no longer happening, right, as a result of them expelling these first world nations like France, um, who are either too weak to maintain their presence in these countries, or they just have lacked the ability to get in touch with the culture and the base of the people there enough to make an impactful influence in the benefit of their own countries. So unlike countries that have been colonized by the British, <laughs> countries that have been colonized by the French have not done so well in terms of their outlook uh, for the French economy. Um, and the French have suffered as a result. So we're just seeing the further fallout of that and the realization that these countries who join BRICS will now be able to be in a better financial situation um, by joining, you know, each other, building trade routes and alliances and all of these different things that the First World Nations did, again, years ago. But this is a second coming of that, right? We're seeing the development and they're going to surpass us at this point, like, right, at some point. I mean, the U.S. is always going to be a big military superpower, but, all right, and that's a big but. India just landed another... Uh, so rocket thing on the moon uh it's a it's a rover i think um the i'm not even gonna say the name but it's the third one so they landed it russia did not uh land theirs russia's crashed their aircraft uh spacecraft into the moon actually um a week before india put theirs up and landed it so a lot of people did not understand the significance of that because this is like something that hasn't the space race is now reignited so when you look at it BRICS versus Five Eyes, which is the, the uh, I guess, BRICS version, security version of what BRICS is and will become as a result of their alliance. So once they establish all of the different secret organizations amongst each other, they're already probably established right now. The Five um, Eyes is an intelligence alliance comprom comprising of Australia, Canada, New Zealand, United Kingdom, and the United States. Exactly. So... Just like, like I said, there's always, there's always, there's going to be an establishment, but an equal and opposite one for BRICS, right? In that alliance. So even within that, you know, we have NAFTA and all these different things. They're going to develop their own thing, right? They probably already have something like that between them. So again, the money is going to, the money wealth transfer is going to shift into these nations. We're going to see Africa as a continent develop very rapidly over the next 10 years. I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm very curious to see how much influence China and Russia have in that development, um, because by them creating a hard ball against France, they've now created a hard wall against the U.S. Because the U.S. has now had is forced to make a choice, basically, um, to either establish their own direct connection with the continent, or, which I mean. Technically, you could argue that VC is already doing that um, by way of investing into, you know, African startups and stuff like that. So they'll always be involved. But from a, you know, government and international relations perspective, Michael, I'm going to ask you, do you think that the U.S., is, from your perspective, is going to, number one, have a very big influence on African politics and culture moving forward? 
And do you think that they're going to have an influence on the economic status of a lot of these African nations and countries um, as we see them either join BRICS or don't join BRICS and then, you know, come over to the U.S. and everybody else um, to help see that development? Because I feel like that would be also supercharged. So that way they could build kind of some type of resistance on the continent for, you know, democracy for, for everyone like it's very, very interesting. So to respond blankly, yes, I do. How they'll do it will be much more nuanced than we've ever seen. And we're not talking, you know, establish a coup, throw out a dictator, in which, you know, all you have to do is look at the history book <laughs> and see America's done that. I do think they will do it, as you mentioned, by product of entrepreneurship. You know, we're seeing Kamala Harris meet specifically with black entrepreneurs. We're seeing Joe Biden attempt to solve student loan debt. These are very targeted, um, very targeted acts towards the black and brown community, specifically knowing that a number of Nigerian and West African immigrants do come to America on visas specifically for school. So I think the nuanced way in which uh, the United States will do this is by almost offering um, they will never say the word black. They will never say that Nigerians, Ghanaians, people from Benin, Togo, or, you know, uh, they, they'll never open the borders, you know, publicly, but they're going to do very strategic, make very strategic investments into um, laws that um, kind of de deregulate the angel investing process to ensure that more American dollars get into the West African country. I do believe a lot of um, civilians, citizens of West African countries do not trust the United States very clearly. Um, that guy, Donald Trump, and his just um, focus on misinformation, which, you know, was, you know, helped by, you know, the, the state, the country of Russia has put a lot of a lot of civil, civilians within West Africa just untrustworthy when they see someone walk into a room and say that they want to do business. I mean, it's unfortunate that this still imposter syndrome exists where people will listen. They'll have the meeting instead of just outright knowing that you are not good for me or for my people. And so I'd love to share a very recent uh, video that came out and have like a quick discussion about it. Um, this is going to be a new frontier, as you mentioned, for West African countries and people like Akon, uh, who, you know, in 2010 said he was going to make Akon City and who in 2015 said he's going to make his own coin. And everyone thought he was crazy. Uh, on his recent episode with EYL, he dropped a banger and saying that, you know, Africa is a huge continent. Um, but it hurts us by consistently looking, uh, and this hurts us as in uh, Nigerians and African people, uh, as seeing each of our countries as these independent countries. They are independent, they have their own government, and that's a test to innovation. Imagine a, a place or uh, an area as big as Texas um, with its own federal government system, everything that you need to run and operate a country. And it's only been existent for 60 to 70 years. That's an example of black excellence. But why is it if someone from Madagascar who has a unique um, patent on drilling for oil needs a visa and needs a stated reason in order to enter a country like Congo in order to do business or have conversations with people? Why is it that the travel system is so segmented and the overall intercollaboration um, between African countries is so segmented and so distant that even though you live, you know, from the distance of D.C. to Charlotte, 
is the distance from, you know, again, just mentioned Nigeria because I know it well to Congo or other countries. Why is it that you need to have a specific visa? But if you have your American passport, that blue book, you can enter and exit as much as you want to. So how can we, and I'm glad that ECOWAS, as we mentioned, a coalition of African countries focused on economic development. How can we ensure that travel, the ability to freely express ideas and not experience xenophobia? Because that's a very real experience. Um, how can we prevent that from happening for the next group of entrepreneurs that have ideas, you know, from living in a climate so similar to 20 other countries that live beside them, but, you know, because they didn't apply for a visa or because, you know, um, the person who was supposed to get them into the country retired or is on vacation, uh, they can't do business and contribute towards the overall economic value. And what happens as a result is these countries as we've talked about, are able to come in, offer bad deals, and there's no form of solidarity within these different African countries. Um, it's just every country for themselves. And so now it's 10 different countries taking terrible deals instead of them doing collective and communal, community financing to overall build their entire region. So um, I think America's gonna try and do that, but without, again, opening the border or making too much of, or making a big scene. Yeah, I was, what I was about to say. Um... <laughs> The way that they've already done that before is through the World Bank because America funds the World Bank. You, I mean, granted, I don't, I don't remember whether or not when Trump was in office, he took money away from us doing that and a lot of different things in the EU, uh, with or not EU, but the United Nations, and you know, the with the things like the ecosystem, the climate deal, and stuff like that, taking us out of that, the Paris climate deal. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, that's very interesting that you mentioned um, that you think that the U.S. will find its way somehow, some way, which I agree um, to some extent they, they will be involved to, to what extent and how they'll try to, you know, monopolize or just uh, manipulate these countries into um, poor deals uh, of development. I don't think it's really in their best interest to do so because then they'll re they'll end up in a position where we have countries retaliating against us like vassal countries trying to retaliate against the u.s and at that point if the u.s gets to a place where it's the u.s versus bricks let me tell you i i was i put up on my story the other day that uh to be in the top one percent of the uk you have to you have to make i think it's only uh one hundred and three thousand dollars a year uh hundred and three thousand pounds or i guess is in their in their their currency 131 140 maybe okay well dollars. Uh, I, I think it's a little less than that now uh i would say it's probably a little bit closer to 120 or 1 115 if i'm being real uh with the way that the dollar is pairing um yeah but what i what i want to say is that knowing that information right to be in the top one percent over there that's how much you need and to be in the top one percent over here it's than that uh, in our area in in the dmv that's that number is closer to four hundred thousand i'm just be real, <laughs> <I'm> be real. <laughs> um and, and and then um and in connecticut just to put some things in perspective that's closer to a million so i'm just it's interesting right but then again, here, hear me out. The property value near Yale goes for anywhere between 100,000 to 150 to 300, 400K um, on average for a house or a townhouse in that area or condo rather um, in the city. Um, now, granted, 
from my understanding, the city's pretty much safe and gentrified to the most, you know, ability in New Haven. So I'm like, why are the property values this low? But Connecticut is supposed to be one of the best places to keep property value. So I'm gonna just leave it there. But anyways, um, don't talk. The main thing is, is that at the end of the day, um, I agree. Uh, Africa would be in a different place as a, as a continent. Um, I wonder if China and Russia are putting African nations already in bad deals or if they are helping them uh, with their infrastructure. Because I don't consider it a bad deal if the infrastructure is established, created like national systems, et cetera, et cetera. And all they're asking for is just to have trade and, and commerce. Now, I recognize what that means from an influence perspective. However, for the GDP and all of that other things, right? That only tells me that we're going to develop this country more because we're putting money into this country for the development of all of these other things. Now, if they're putting money into specific industries for the export and the exploitation of these materials and goods, that's a whole different story. I'm not really rocking, but that's what the World Bank does anyways. <laughs> so when I look at it, I'm like, that's already an example of what's out there. But to your point, I do see it coming from both perspectives of all right, we got to do what we got to do in order to prevent like a one up on us, you know, for whatever reason. Um, and we're not aware, so we'll see what comes of it. Anyway, pray for peace for <laughs> the Niger well, community. I I pray all all day. I hope that you know whatever uh, groups they send to protect whatever borders they need to protect um, are all good. They don't need to fight nothing um, because right, it's rightfully theirs. I, I I'm I'm with them on all of that. Protect your borders. Do what you got to do. Bring it home, boys. Sure. Why y'all working? All right. Appreciate it. Uh, this has been a great episode. I do have to skedaddle. But, Michael, let the people know what we got in store for them moving forward, and uh, we'll be good to go. Absolutely. So, apologies for if y'all saw, you know, there was a bit of a hiatus from posting. I promise it wasn't a hiatus. We were working hard on getting, unloading up as much content, whether it was shorts or full length videos uh, to make sure that y'all can hear the best. We got some interviews coming, some exciting VCs. If you wanna learn anything more about black entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship as a whole, what it means to work and operate within the Midwest space. We have an artist as well that we're looking on unlocking in who's been able to create some exciting books and projects. Um, more content is coming. so. Uh, as long as y'all stay tuned, subscribe, like this People video. Keep working. Keep People working. Keep working. Peace. Living in the dream. Let's get it. <laughs> <laughs>